If you have your Bibles, let's turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse number 14. Most of us could probably quote this scripture by heart, but let's read it together. And my topic is going to be prayer. Prayer. And I like to preach about prayer. I have many times over the years, but I, I, I sometimes am intimidated to do so since I've moved here because we have in our midst Sister Cole, one of the great Bible teachers on prayer and one of the great prayer warriors of our time. How many appreciate Sister Cole? And when I think of the thousands and thousands of hours of prayer that she has spent on my behalf and on your behalf, it humbles me truly. And, uh, and of course, I add my own mother to that, and, and many of you are prayer warriors. I'm not trying to take away from that, but, but I can truly say that I lean and rely upon the prayers of elders like Bishop and Sister Cole, and I appreciate the legacy of prayer that they've left. How many thank the Lord for legacies, legacies of prayer, legacies of faithfulness, legacies of people who know how to fast? Don't worry, I'm not going to preach about fasting tonight. Don't get too nervous. That'll be for another time. But I am going to preach about prayer for just a little while. Second Chronicles 7 and 14. Could we read this out loud together? If my people, which are called by my name, and what is that name? Shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then, everyone said then, then, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. How many could agree with me tonight? I know that I'm preaching to the choir on a Wednesday night. But how many would agree with me that our land, our culture, our world, our nation needs healing? How many could agree with that? Could we put our Bibles down and could we just humble ourselves and pray right now for just a moment for our land? Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now for our culture. God, I pray for our nation I pray for our world, which is in turmoil all around us, God. And I pray that you would help us to be revived. I pray that you would bring about a renewing. If you should tarry and if, Lord, if you should give us more years and more decades, I pray that you would send a revival such as the world has never seen. That men and women, young and old, would turn from their wicked ways. And that you would forgive us our sins. And that you would heal our land. We love you. If you believe he's a healer tonight, would you clap your hands to him one more time? As a testimony that God is able. That he is able. Amen. Thank you for standing out of respect for the word of God. You, you may be seated. Thankfully, America is, by and large, still comprised of people who consider themselves to be Christians. 
thankfully, we're still considered, for the most part, a Christian nation. This is a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. It's a good thing because that means people are still embracing certain biblical values and they are supportive of certain biblical ideals. But it's also a bad thing because calling yourself a Christian doesn't actually make you a Christian. Just like calling yourself a Navy SEAL doesn't make you a Navy SEAL. And so there are all these people out there who consider themselves to be Christians, and yet they are not actually Christ followers. I think the term Christ follower is the simplest definition of what it means to be a Christian. You cannot truly be a Christian if you are not following Christ. What does it mean to follow Christ? It means to follow his teachings, to follow the word that he has given us. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He said that more than once. And we see see this reflected in our culture, this this dichotomy of people who... uh, feel as though they are Christian. They identify themselves as a Christian. And yet we we see that there is a conflict that takes place. And we see this reflected in several recent polls that ask questions about heaven and who goes there. Roughly 80% of Americans, that's 8 out of every 10 people, believe that they will go to heaven. That means... Theoretically speaking, if you were to go into any room full of 100 people, about 80 of them would consider themselves on their way to heaven. On the one hand, that's good news because that's a tremendous amount of people who believe in heaven, and I'm thankful for that. On the other hand, out of that 80%, only a small portion actually attend church or believe that Jesus is is the only way to salvation or that the Bible is the infallible word of God. So there is a tremendous disconnect between belief in heaven and understanding what it takes to get there. Jesus taught very clearly that heaven is an exclusive place for his followers only. He made it and he decides who gets in And how we get in. Heaven is an elite place for the family of God. You cannot live there. You cannot make your abode there. You cannot buy your way in. You can't work your way into heaven. You can't fight your way into heaven. You can't plead your way into heaven. You can only live in heaven if you are a part of the bloodline, if you have made Jesus your Lord and Savior, if you can cry out to him, Abba, Father, and you are truly a son and truly a daughter. How many are thankful that we are a part of the elite 
family of God. I am proud that my heavenly father is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I get excited when I think about how Jesus looked at his followers and said, I go to prepare a place for you. I don't know about you, but when I think of the turmoil in this world and the heartache and the sickness, if you're living for this world, my friend, you are going to be disappointed. But this world is not my home. I'm only passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. How many can testify that that is your heartbeat tonight? Heaven. 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 I want to go there. I want to go there. And I believe that the one who created it gets to decide who will live there with him. If, if you, you know, we, we sometimes, we understand this in the physical realm, but sometimes we, uh, we don't understand it in the supernatural. There's, there's this kind of common thinking in America today that just anybody can go to heaven, really, unless you're, you know, there's really some people, unless you're a mass murderer or something like that, you're pretty much making it to heaven. That's how a lot of people believe today. But but we understand in the natural that when you build a home and you have a family, just anybody who comes and knocks on your door is not going to be able to come into the safety of your home, to come into your abode, into your dwelling place. But if they're your family, they're always going to be welcome in your house. I don't know about you, but I want to do everything in my power to abide the word of God so that I can be a part of the family of God so that when I knock on heaven's door he says well done my good and faithful servant come on in we've got a feast well I don't know about you but if nothing maybe this isn't good theology but I get excited when I think about the fact that in heaven there's going to be no calorie counting there's going to be no diabetes there's going to be no such thing as hey we're going to have a feast in heaven honey it's going to be all All day long and you're not going to hurt at all. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. That may not be good theology, but it sure sounds good, doesn't it? Amen. And so America, America has a prayer problem, a prayer problem. It really does. But it's probably not what you think it is. According to the 2014 General Social Survey, a record low number of Americans attend church regularly. So church attendance is at an all-time low in America today. Also, people who consider themselves a part of a particular religious faith or denomination is at an all-time low. People are fleeing from denominations. And people who even consider themselves to be overtly religious is is at an all-time low. We expect those numbers, but what shocked me when I read through this survey, in spite of all of those, and in many ways those numbers are depressing, but after all of that, it said this, more than one half, nearly 73% of all American citizens still say that they pray to God at least once a day. That's amazing. 
That's a lot out of the billions of people. That is a lot of people who are praying on a daily basis. I know Pentecostals who have the Holy Ghost who couldn't say that. Amen. So a lot of Americans are praying to God in spite of the fact that they no longer attend church like they used to, in spite of the fact that they may not identify with a denomination like they used to, yet still they believe in the power of prayer. Overwhelmingly, Americans still believe that prayer makes a difference. Overwhelmingly, Americans still believe that if you pray, it can change the atmosphere. I think this is still a good thing. On the one hand, this excites me. On the one hand, this proves to me that there is hope for the United States of America because people somewhere deep down still have a faith in God. They still believe that God is omnipotent, that he is omnipresent, and he's able to move in their circumstances. This is a wonderful thing. It's a staggering statistic that over half of every American Praise once a day. Some of us are feeling conviction right now because uh, I, I hate it, but probably not everyone associated with Apostolic Tabernacle could honestly say that they pray every single day. So the problem isn't that Americans aren't praying. It's that they do not have a right relationship with the God they are praying to. And this is a problem. I am encouraged that Americans still believe in prayer, but we Americans need to do exactly like we read in our text tonight in 2 Chronicles 7 and 14. We need to seek his face and turn from our wicked ways because only then, look at your neighbor and say, only then, only then will he hear us from heaven and forgive us our sins and heal our land. And my friend, all you have to do is pick up a newspaper to know that we desperately need God to heal our land. We desperately need our culture to turn from its wicked ways because you can pray all day long, but God is not going to move until you humble yourself and turn from your sin. Only then will the maker of heaven and earth began to move on behalf of our culture. It's no wonder that people are exasperated that they pray and they feel as though there's no response because it is not biblical. It is not biblical that if you pray without a right relationship with God, that God will perform miracles, signs, and wonders because your relationship is what makes the difference in your prayer life. And prayer is, everyone said prayer is, extremely important. The Bible mentions prayer well over 500 times, so it's obviously a big deal to God. When we hear that so many people are praying, it's tempting to say, well, at least they're praying and just kind of write it off as a victory. But even though they may be sending their request to God, we have to ask ourselves, are they truly praying? And to answer that, we have to define what prayer actually is. So let's go ahead and ask that question. What exactly is prayer anyway? What is prayer? Most people might say it's talking to God, and in a sense that's true. Most people would say it's talking to God to 
ask him for things that they need. And that really is what most people do when they pray, is it not? They come to God with a petition and a request. Can I just pause here and remind us as the people of God that when we pray, it ought to be more than just give me, give me this, that we ought to worship God, we ought to magnify God, we ought to enter into relationship with God. It has to be more than do this for me, Lord. Can you imagine if you came home to your loved ones and without saying anything at all, you said, hey, go over there and do that for me right now. Well, you might do it for a while, but you're not going to do it very long. That's not how relationship works. All the husbands said, amen, glory to God, hallelujah. And so, and so even though it is partially true, it is, it's partially true that, that prayer is simply talking to God and asking God for things, that's not That's not the entire definition of prayer. As Tim Keller wrote in his latest book, prayer is connecting to God's revelation. Everyone said revelation. Everyone else said revelation. Let me quote uh, Tim Keller. He said, what is prayer then in the fullest sense? Prayer is continuing a conversation that God has already started through his word and his grace, which eventually becomes a full encounter with him. The power of our prayers then lies not primarily in our effort and striving or in any technique, but rather in our knowledge of God. This is why, as Donald Whitney says in his well-known book, of all the spiritual disciplines, prayer is second only to the intake of God's word in importance. In other words, prayer only makes the difference when you combine it with the discipline of reading and memorizing and having the word of God embedded deep down inside of your spirit because there is an unstoppable connection between the word of God which is alive and it is quick and it is powerful and when you combine the power of the living word with prayer my friend you're going to become an unstoppable spiritual force when you connect these two things my lord I feel the Holy Ghost right now these are inseparable inseparable so prayer is second in importance everyone said prayer is second It's second to Bible reading because it relies on our knowledge of God, which comes from reading his word. How do we know God? How are we introduced to God? How do we know his nature? How do we know his character? We know all of these things because of the word of God. How many are thankful for the word of God? Without the word of God, we would not have an understanding of God. We rely on on the word of God for our relationship with God. And you cannot have a prayerful relationship with God apart from the living word of God. I think somebody ought to clap your hands to the Lord tonight if you believe that. They are connected. They are divinely connected. They are divinely inspired. They are meant. They are meant to go together. And on that same note, I know people right now who have memorized the Bible. They read it backwards and forwards. There's theologians. There are people all around the world right now that they could quote the Bible. They could quote chapters and verse. And yet they do not have a prayerful relationship with God. And all of the head knowledge in the world will not save them. You have to have the word and prayer. You have to have the word and prayer. You have to have the word and prayer. Praise the Lord. And so prayer 
combined with the reading of the word let me, is, is vital. And let me take that a step further and say that our relationship with God depends on these two things. You cannot have a right relationship. How many know you need to have a right relationship? You need to have more than just a relationship. You need to have a right relationship with God. And you cannot have a right relationship with God if you do not read the word, spend time in the word, and pray. You have to have these things. And time in the word and prayer leads to a powerful connection with God. Engagement with scripture is an essential, even though it's often missing. I know a lot of people who pray, but they don't read the word. I know a lot of people who read the word, but they don't pray. And when you separate these things, you lose the power. You have to bring these two components together. Without, without prayer, without prayer, reading the word becomes ineffectual. Without reading the word, prayer becomes problematic. But if we include the missing piece of God's word, which leads to obedience. Someone said obedience. See, when you read the word and you fall in love with the word, eventually you will become obedient to the word. How many believe that? We submit our will. We submit our heart to the word. And that obedience is what leads us in to relationship with God. How many want to have a right relationship with God? How many, how many want to love the Lord with all of your heart? How many want to feel the presence of God? How many want to be able to reach out to him in a moment of desperation and feel him in an instant? You know, if it takes you, if it takes you 45 minutes to enter into the presence of the Lord, then that means that you have not been in the word and in prayer. Because when you have been in the word and in prayer, all you have to do is reach out and he'll be right there, right there, right there, right there, right there. That's what relationship is. That's what relationship is. And so when we combine all of these things, when we combine, number one, reading of the word, number two, prayer. Everyone said prayer. When we combine those things, we can, we can have what I believe to be the best definition of biblical prayer. And I'm going to read it to you now. Prayer is an encounter with God that is initiated by him first through his word. And that changes our hearts as we humbly communicate and worship the Lord. Confess our sins and transgressions and ask him to fulfill both our needs and the desires of our heart according to his will. That last line is very, very, very important. Because when you ask God to fulfill the desires of your heart, you always have to add the caveat. Not my will, but thy will be done. And when you truly fall in love with God, his desires become your desires. His thoughts become your thoughts. It becomes very, it becomes very intertwined. And unless we combine our prayers with the word of God and right relationship with God, our prayers become like a phone conversation where the other person can hear us, but we can't hear them. How many want to hear the voice of God? How many want to hear the voice of God? I want to be able to enter into a dynamic time of prayer where you can feel. The Bible says that the early church, when they came together and they prayed, the place where they were gathered together was shaken by the power of God. I don't know about you, but as an apostolic, I long for prayer meetings where the atmosphere is literally shaken by the power of God. Listen, we're going to have to learn how to pray as never before as the world grows darker and darker, as, as technology 
uh, controls people's minds more and more as distractions abound. Listen, distraction, I love technology, but technology is destroying relationships. All you have to do is walk into a restaurant and look at a family at the dinner table and nobody's talking, everybody's head down and looking at the cell phone. Distractions are everywhere. It's pulling people away from prayer. If people, I read an article the other day that people are spending a minimum of seven to nine hours a day simply surfing the internet on their cell phone. And yet people say overwhelmingly they don't have time to read the Bible, they don't have time to pray, and they don't have time to go to church. All you'd have to do is cut a few hours a day off of your cell phone time and you would have a few minutes to get down on your knees and cultivate a right relationship with God. And my friend, if we're going to have revival, if we're going to see miracle signs and wonders, if we're going to see our families saved, if we're going to see the world rock with revival, it's going to take a praying church and a praying people who learn how to enter into the presence of God. And by the way, you can tell, you can tell when you, as an evangelist, I could always tell, you can always tell when you walk into a church that does not pray. Because it takes 45 minutes of a singer having to get up there and beg them to worship before they ever worship. You know why? Because they haven't cultivated a relationship with God all week long. And then it takes a service leader and a pastor begging people to worship. Listen, we shouldn't come to church and have to have somebody beg us to worship. We should have been cultivating that worshipful spirit all week long. And when we come into his courts, we ought to come in with praise. We ought to enter into his courts with thanksgiving. We ought to come in ready because we already have a relationship. We shouldn't come to church repairing our relationship We should come to church with a relationship that's thriving so that the drug addict can come and be delivered, so that the sick can come and be healed. That's the kind of church that apostolic tabernacle needs to be in the last days. Clap your hands to the Lord and say, I receive that, Brother Brother Ryan. I receive that. I know that stings a little, but we we have to cultivate a relationship with God through the week. If we're going to see power in our services. And I don't know about you, but I don't think it's the will of God that we should have one person receiving the Holy Ghost every few weeks. I believe that multiple people ought to be receiving the Holy Ghost every single time. Every Sunday, somebody ought to be receiving. You say, hey, that takes a lot of faith. That's right. We need a lot of faith in the day that we're living in. And we need more prayer than ever. And we need more fasting than ever. And we need more word than ever. We need it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so, everyone said prayer combined with the word. It's a powerful thing. Stand with me. I'm going to close reading two scriptures to you. And this is, I think, very important. And I wish that our culture could understand this because more people would see more prayers answered if they understood this principle from the word. Proverbs 15, 29. The Lord is far from the wicked. But he heareth the prayer of the righteous. James 5.16, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another. That ye may be healed. The effectual, now I want you to catch this. The effectual fervent prayer of anybody, of everybody, Of just a good-hearted person? No. 
The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Your relationship with God will determine the power of your prayer. Could we lift up our hand and say, Lord, I want to be righteous. I want to be holy God. Lord, I, I want to be able to have a relationship with you. That when I call on your name, that you'll move in the midst of sickness, God. Lord, I, I pray that every member of Apostolic Tabernacle would have the kind of relationship with you. That when they lay hands on the sick, they will recover. I I pray that every member of Apostolic Tabernacle, even the children, Lord, even the youngest of children that have faith in their heart, that when they cry out to you, that you would move on their behalf, Lord. Oh, we know there's something powerful about the faith of a little child, God. And I pray that you would take some of us old folks and some of us middle-aged folks, Lord, that have suffered some disappointment. I pray, God, that you have a little child into our hearts, God. So, Lord, that we could depend on you like we used to in days gone by. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. I'll tell you what I want to do. I want to ask Sister Cole to dismiss us in prayer tonight. I'm going to walk this microphone down to her, and I'm going to ask her to dismiss us in prayer. My Father, we thank you so much that we can call on your name. Thank you for this message, God, that stirs our hearts. We pray, oh God, that you would make prayer warriors out of every single member of this church. That we might do something, oh God, that would set aflame this whole community. That they might feel the glory of God. Thank you for this sermon tonight, God, and thank you for what it's done for my life. I do thank you for your glorious power tonight. And I ask you, Lord, to dismiss us from this place, but do not dismiss us from your presence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Lift up your hands and just entertain the presence of the Lord for a few seconds. Could we worship the Lord for about 10 seconds? We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. I feel a sweet presence of the Holy Ghost just, just sweeping across this sanctuary tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. Thank you for being sensitive to the Lord. And allowing me to preach to you about prayer. You're dismissed. God bless you. Find a couple folks and let them know you're glad to see them on a Wednesday night. God bless you.